0: All right, are you ready? This is our last Sunday in the Psalm Song series, and we want you to just sit back and enjoy this one.
1: There's a long black train coming down the line, feeding off the souls that are lost in crime. Of sin, only evil remains. Watch out, brother, for that long black train. Look to the heavens, you can look to the sky. You can find redemption tearing back into your eyes. There is protection and there's peace the same. Burning your ticket for that long black train. Cause there's victory in the Lord, I say. Victory. Don't go away. away that train is a beauty making everybody stare but it's only destination is the middle of nowhere cuz there's victory in the Lord's driving that long black train
0: amen amen what about that how about that man they have done such a great job and i hate that this is the last sunday I really do for um, Psalm songs. Um, but what a, what a way to go out. I've been uh, wrestling with that one for a long time. And who, who could we get to do it? And uh, we had a guy and he was going to do it. And then um, he ended up having to work. And so he ended up not getting to do it. And then it's like, who are we going to get? And I said, well, Jeff can do it. And, and he said, I don't know. I was like, well, I signed the checks around here. So you're going to do it. And no, not really. Not really. Um, Jeff Turner over here or uh, Josh, Josh Poling, however you want to call him now. Um, I thought did a great job of that and I, listen our worship team's done a great job of all of them I mean honestly even the ones I don't know I just believe that they're good because you like them and so you know It's like I learned some new songs But I've been wanting to to do that one a couple of months ago I was driving around in the car and I thought you know what this would be great for Psalm songs Josh Turner singing about a long train a uh, long black train lets me walk into um, the devil himself and so I want to talk about the devil himself. I want to talk about the enemy today. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how the enemy comes into your life and attacks after you. And he's and, and just trying to chew you up and spit you out. I want, to, I want to talk about that today. Because, you know, I know I make a lot of um, references or maybe even sometimes a little bit too much fun of the devil and say, you know, every flat tire you get's not the devil. But guess what? Sometimes the flat tire is the devil. Okay? Sometimes the washing machine broke and it is the devil. Sometimes a child goes wayward and it is the devil tempting them aside. Sometimes that is the devil doing that. And so I want to talk about that today. I want to talk about our enemy. I'm not going to get into where he came from and stuff like that. Ezekiel 38 is a great place for you to go grab a hold of some of that information and see that. But I want to start with this psalm. Because, you know, we want to connect a psalm to that song. And so from now on, when you hear um, Josh Turner, I hope you think of Psalm 31. And if you're reading Psalm 31, I hope you're going, man, David should have had that tune because this one would have popped, you know, because this is a song, okay? David's writing a song, um, and so it was a church song. And who knows what the tune was to because he just, you know, pilfered and and pillaged um, tunes left and right. But here's this one right here. It's in Psalm 31. Verses 1 to 8. If you want to take out your Bible, it's going to be there. It's going to show up on the screen always, but it's fun to get into one of these paper things, you know, these archaic paper things once in a while, just kind of get familiar. It feels kind of good, old school a little bit, but we're going to read that, okay? Psalm 31, for the director of music, that's who David is writing this, and administratively he's saying, get this thing to the director of music, all right? A psalm of David, a song, he's writing a song. In you, O Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Free me from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord the God of truth. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love for you saw my affliction and you knew the anguish of my soul. You have not handed me over to the enemy but has set my feet in a spacious place. And that's the scripture we're going to use today. Let's just have a word of prayer. Fathers, we come before you. In our ignorance of knowing how else to say this, we just invite you to come. Holy Spirit we want you to come we want you to break down the walls inside of our lives we want you to tear down the things that are getting ready to harass us when we leave this building we just want to be here in the presence of you God can we just be here in the presence of you we need to be touched by you because we are like a flock that is harassed by the enemy by the wolves by the lions by the bears and we are without a shepherd except that we have you and so we need to see you God and I pray that you would open up our eyes today. In Jesus' holy name, amen. So David is talking about his enemy, and, and who knows who he, who's he's talking about, but we know he's talking about the enemy. It's just that for you and I, we think about the enemy, and I wonder who you think about. Who's your enemy? Is your enemy some kid that picked on you in fourth grade or in fifth grade? Is that your enemy? Is your enemy somebody that you work beside is that your enemy you don't understand is your enemy in your head is your enemy your neighbor it's like if that little dog you know you know where i am with little dogs right okay so you're like if that little dog comes over here one more time no 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 i'm I'm saying who's your enemy today Who who do you think of as your enemy Because when we think about enemy and we think about Josh Turner and we think about David writing this and saying, hey, you've not given me into the hands of my enemy, we know that he means people on earth. But if we jump over to Peter, just move a couple of hundred years ahead, we see that Peter is saying that your and my real enemy is actually the devil. That's our. We, We do not take into account the work that he's doing in our lives, do we? Sometimes we get sideways with a neighbor or somebody at work and we're in it with them. And we don't realize that the father of discord is the devil. And and, and we need to wrestle with that a little bit. That sometimes it is, in fact, the devil. This is what Peter says. Peter says, our real enemy is the devil. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have in fact suffered a while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. What do you know about lions? I had the opportunity to go to Zimbabwe a couple of years ago on a mission trip that our church is a part of. We, we, uh, we uh, um, get to, to come alongside of a little school over there in Zimbabwe and, and help feed the children. It's all well and good, but we got to spend a couple hours one morning just driving around. And it was the craziest thing because we're just driving around. It's like, oh, yeah, there's elephants. Yep, 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 yep. Be careful. There's elephants. Like we see, you know, raccoons. Okay, they see elephants. And it's like, there comes a herd of elephants. You better stop because they will squash your car. And then we're driving around. It's like, oh, look, there's giraffe, 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 giraffe. And then we went down to the river. And the guy's driving the little Jeep, and he looks out the window of his Jeep, and he looks down, and he goes, he stops right there, and he goes, lions, lions. And I said, I want to see lions. And he says, "Uh, not in this Jeep, basically kind of open-air Jeep. He's like, hmm. But lions, it's like you're driving around and there's a lion, you know. There's a couple of lions. It's like, wow. So, So when Peter says that your enemy, the devil, is a lion, what goes through your head? What do you think of when he says, your enemy is a lion who's prowling around and he's roaring, seeking whom he may devour? What do you think of? What does it mean for you to hear a lion like this—that's a 450-pound cat. Did you know that? That thing is huge. And when you when you hear that, it's like, wow! My son went on a mission trip down to. Um, Where did he go? Botswana. And they had to set fires around their camps to keep the lions out. And it's like, are you serious? He's like, yeah. He said, every night we had to light the fires up. He said, it would keep the lions out and the elephants out. It's like, okay, that's kind of crazy. But you look at this thing and you hear this lion. And you get the idea. I don't know if you've ever watched those videos. Like every once in a while, I go down a rabbit hole watching videos, you know, and I watch this lion eat the crocodile and I watch the lion eat the gazelle and then I watch the lion try to eat the other lion. Then I watch the lion eat the um, the uh, jaguar, uh, not the jaguar, that's new new world, um, the leopard. And so then I watch the lion, you know, take on you know, like the snake and it's like, it's like the, the lion, he's just absolutely amazing. But I like to see him out there like one o'clock in the afternoon, it's all sunny and pretty and everything thing and he's just laying in the grass about this tall and he's just looking around then all of a sudden he just roars and all of a sudden the camera pans over and all the little gazelles heads come up and they're like what see because when all the little gazelles are on the on the the serengeti or the plane or wherever they are all they have to do is stand still and they look like the grass see But if you roar and everybody's head comes up, somebody suddenly somebody's moving. See, that makes sense to me because when I go hunting, I used to bow hunt a lot, um, and when I would go bow hunting, I would climb up, I go out there before light, you know, about five o'clock in the morning, and I crawl up the tree and I sit in my tree stand. I kind of buckle myself in a little bit, and and I just sit there and it's pitch black. And I'm just waiting and the sun comes up and then pretty soon it gets light enough so then I stand up and I knock up an arrow and I, and I stand and I just stand like this holding my bow just about like this and I'm looking through the woods. You know what, I'm deer hunting and I want to kill a deer really bad because I want to eat it, okay? But here's the deal. I'm not looking for a deer when I'm deer hunting. What I'm looking for is movement. That's all I'm looking for. See, if everything is staying still as it should be, the thing that's moving might be my deer. And so what I'm looking for is something that just moves and catches my eye. And then I start looking for it. So if the lion's laying in the plane, and all of a sudden he roars because nothing's moving, and things start moving, okay, there's lunch on the hoof. That's where we have to go to get it. And he can see that. And Peter's saying the same thing about you. As you and I go through our lives and our relationship to Jesus... We find ourselves in different places. Sometimes we're super apathetic and we're not doing anything. Sometimes we're busy. Sometimes we're moving forward. But sometimes we just tune out what's going on around us and get so focused that when the lion roars, it shocks us. And and like the gazelle, we run, 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 run away. That's what we want to do. We want to run away. And so the enemy is just trying to see how we can do this. But here's the other thing that I, I, I began to think about. You and I are not gazelles. We are children of the Most High God. So when the lion roars, when Peter says, be careful, be alert, he doesn't say run away from him. He says, be alert, stand up to him. What he's saying is you're going to hear the roar and then you'll know where he is. See, the lion thinks he's going to roar and know where I am, but I'm a child of God. He's going to roar and I'm going to say, okay, now I see where he's working in my life. He's roared. I see it coming. And that's what I'm looking at today. Our enemy, and when he roars, we need to step up our game. We don't need to run. Check this out, what Jesus said about the enemy in John 10.10. 10. Verily I say to you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen, and remember, he said, I'm talking to you, Pharisees. If you're not familiar with that word, but you keep reading it in your Bible, this is the more conservative religious sect of Jews. Okay? The more, the more conservative group. Who think they have all, it's all figured out. We're the only ones doing it right. You know how it is with denominations in America, right? If you're Baptist, we're the only ones doing it right. If you're Pentecostals, well, we're the only, the Baptists are aren't doing it right because we're doing it right. Okay. And if you're Methodist, it's just like, well, what's your method for doing it first? I want to talk about that. Okay. And so everybody thinks they're the ones doing it right. So you've got the Pharisees who think they're the only ones doing it right. We're the ones being faithful, okay? And so Jesus is talking to them specifically. And he says, truly, truly, verily, truly, I say to you Pharisees, anybody that does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech. Check this out. But the Pharisees did not understand what he was saying to them. He was telling them a parable. He was, he was making a metaphor for them. And they were just like, dude, we, we, we don't get it. What are you trying to say? What, I mean, what? What? Okay? So it goes on to say, therefore Jesus said, verily and truly, so truly and truly, I say to you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who've come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I'm the gate whoever enters me enters through me will be saved can i just say right there of all the religions in the world that christianity is the most inclusive you just have to do it jesus's way that's all all of us not some of us it's it's not he's picking on this group or that group all of us are welcome to do it his way it really is that simple and Jesus said there is no other way so as we continue to deteriorate as a, as a religious society and people are like well you know they'll get to heaven their way they'll get to heaven their way Jesus said that's not true Jesus said no man comes to the Father except by me Not I didn't say it I'm not the one who's doing this Jesus said it and there's a place for us to stop and say if we're followers and believers of Jesus then we take him at his word and he said that. So here he is, and he says, I'm the only way. They, they come in this way. It says, I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in, go out, and find pastures. And, and this is important right here. The thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that they may have life, Pariso's life, and have it to the full. And the concept of the word parisos, and you hear me throw it around here just in my own personal study because I'm, I'm wrestling with it, okay? It's just the idea that it is exceedingly, abundantly more than you can imagine. It's also It, 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 it carries the idea of it's a wanton, W-A-N-T-O-N, a wanton life. It's just so much life, it's ridiculous. That's what that word carries with it. And so here is Jesus using that word saying, I've come to give you life. Now, I'm not the you know, health, wealth, and prosperity guy. I'm the, I'm the one that says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. But I can find life in whatever life God puts me into. Whole other message. So Jesus is telling the Pharisees that the, the devil, the enemy, is coming to steal, kill, and destroy. So we know that the activity of the enemy is steal, kill, and destroy. And stealing means that you're going to take what you did not earn, was not given to you, what you did not work for. That's stealing, right? Somebody comes and steals from you. I was a young kid, had a 67 Cougar, 289, three speed on it. It was it was nice. I loved it, wished I had it today, but I put a little, you know, cassette player in it because cassettes were a new thing back then. Some of you don't even know what that is, um, and that's okay, but I had one in there with an FM converter. Some of you don't know what that is. We just had AM radios back then, and somebody came in, opened my door, and stole all my stuff out They didn't earn it, they didn't work for it, and I didn't give it to them. I came out of my house, car door wide open, seven o'clock in the morning, getting ready to go to work, and I'd been robbed. And as a, you know, not very good Christian, I wanted to beat somebody. Seriously, hard. Actually, I wanted to hire it done. I was only 135 pounds. Okay, I was six foot, but I was only 135 pounds. So somebody was going to have to do it for me. And I, I, You know, I needed to be careful of that. But stealing means that the enemy is going to take sheep that he did not earn, work for, or were not given to him. Destroying refers to the absolute destruction of our lives, but I, I've come to think that that's not even possible, I don't think, without us giving the enemy permission. And this is what I mean by that. You know, there's times when we sing songs about God, take it all, all to God, I surrender. I mean, we're going to sing that one even. But, but there's times when we say, Lord, have it all, have it all, I'm going all in, things like that. But not this little area of my life over here. But not this area. I'm going to keep this little door closed. It's okay. Don't worry about this, Lord. You don't have to die for it. I'm just going to entertain it. It's, it's good. It's good. Don't worry about it. See, I believe that this is where we give the devil a foothold into our lives. This is where he's like, okay, you're not gonna give that to God? Then it's mine. I I have the right to be here. So sometimes I think when we think about the idea of being destroyed, that it's not possible without permission from us, and we need to rethink that sometimes. Are we, by hiding our besetting sins or unknown sins or just areas of our lives that we're not willing to give up, you know what I mean? It's like, no, God, I'm not getting rid of my Xbox. Xbox is not, Xbox is not sin, okay? Sometimes it's the weight that holds us down, you know what I mean? The, the sin that entangles us, the weight that holds us down, okay? And God's saying, I want you to get rid of the weight, and we're like, no, but not that. Not, not, not that. I'm good at this, okay? People respect me for this, Lord. I got, I got credit, you know, And we're like, no. And I think the devil says, okay, I got gotcha. you. And so he's looking for a way to distract you from the kingdom of God. So instead of, you know, well, we'll get into that later. And then finally is the killing. Steal, kill, destroy. And that means the removal of somebody, some, some dream. I think the Lord I mean, is, is saying that sometimes he kills our dreams. Sometimes he kills our calling. Sometimes he, he kills things from our lives. And, and, and we wonder, why is the enemy here? How do we see the enemy killing people today? Do you see the enemy killing people today? We don't often see it in America. We, we don't see an, an attack physically on Christianity. But guess what? America is not the center of the world. It's really not. I, I love America. It's not the center of the world. Check this out. According to persecution.org, International Christian Concern, 1,470 Christians were killed in Nigeria within four months of 2021. That's a lot of people. That is a whole lot of people. And this, this, this says the number of defenseless Christians killed there from January to April is 1,470, out of which um, these Fulani herdsmen accounted for a, a huge group, and um, the rights group included a 26-page reference in their report reciting backup statistics that aided their findings and things like that. And I get that sometimes Christian, the word Christian is a political term, not a spiritual term. I get that. I'm just saying that us here in Richmond, Kentucky don't understand persecution the way our brothers and sisters do around the world. And there, the enemy is literally cutting their heads off, cutting their arms off, burning their houses down. In China, more churches are shut down in China on a regular basis than anywhere else in the world, even though more people are killed on the African continent. It's absolutely crazy. And we see that the enemy is literally killing people around the world straight up killing them but what about you and i i believe he's trying to rob us of our life i do i think he's trying to rob us of our life so that he can rob us of our eternity can he either get you before um, you die and can choose jesus or get you to walk away i was just doing some math do you know that you have 86,400 seconds every day to decide what you're going to do with you wake up and you, and you have that many, in a 24-hour period of time, you have that many seconds to decide what to do with. That's 1,440 minutes or 24 hours. And you get seven days a week, so that's 168 hours a week or 8,736 hours a year. That's what you get in your life. Now, couple that or multiply that by 78.54 years, which is the average lifespan for a man in America today, and you end up with 686, 125.44 hours. And you have to decide what you're gonna do and then you're gonna die. That's what you get. What will you do with those hours? And I was thinking about how the enemy wants to steal the life out of the minutes and the seconds and the hours of your life. He's trying to suck you dry. He's trying to make your life miserable. He's trying to make you give up. He's trying to make you throw in the towel. He's trying to make you say, no, God, I don't want to do that. He's trying to say I don't believe, get you to say, I don't believe there's a God. The enemy is trying to push all of the buttons that he possibly can to get you to move in a different direction because the enemy is trying to kill, steal, or destroy you. That's all he wants to do. I came to understand, I was sitting at the coffee shop the other day, and I came to understand, and, and, and I knew this before, but I, it just was brought to my attention again. Man came into the coffee shop, I could see him over there counting his pennies, I could tell right away that he was homeless, I could tell that he was hungry, and I thought, you know what, he's over there counting his pennies saying, how much is a muffin, how much is a coffee, how much is this, and I just jumped up, I felt like the Lord said, Joe, do this thing, and so I jumped up and I went over there, and I, and I just said, hey, could, could I be blessed to buy you breakfast today, would, would, you, would you let me do that? And he looked at me and folded his money back up and said, yeah, you can do that. I said, listen, I don't care what you get. Just have some breakfast. Have some breakfast. So he ended up having some breakfast. But this is what I began to think about. If, if I spend $10 or $15 on somebody, I can go sell a painting or I can you know, raise a couple more puppies and I can sell them and I can get some money back. I can. But if you give somebody some of your time, you can't ever get that back because you have a finite amount of it. And the devil is after sucking the life out of your time because you can't get it back. He just wants to make you miserable. How is he trying to rob you? Well, mentally. I believe he's trying to rob you mentally. I think he wants to suck the life out of you through your mental capacity. He's going to do it through distractions, and we've seen this year that he's done it through social media. I believe he wants to do it through Netflix I mean, how many of us, don't raise your hand, how many of us at some point have walked in? It it happens so much that you spend, and I, I say you generally, okay, you spend so much time on Netflix trying to figure out what to watch that Netflix has a new button. What's the button say? Just play something. That's literally what it says. You go home and and see if I'm not right about this. You call up Netflix and and you tell them who is this that's watching? Joe is watching. And then it comes up and says, just play something underneath of it. We are so mentally wanting to be distracted that Netflix has a button for us now. That's how much time they know we spend trying to decide what to watch. Okay, mentally, politics have exhausted us mentally. The enemy is just doing this. Mass news outlets. Last time I got to preach, the fear of what if is exhausting us mentally. What if? What if? What if? What if? And and we're losing our lives to it. And of course, then there's the over sexualization of life. Well, if I can't get married and I can't you know have sex, then come on, man, I can't be a whole person. Yes, you can. You can. You really can. Okay. Lewis and Clark went all the way across the United States, and they didn't take any hookers with them. You know, I'm not trying to be crass. I'm just telling you, they went all the way across the United States, and, and it was okay to be celibate. It really is, and to live that way. But we live in a world that mentally we are being accosted on every corner Especially, guys, I'm I'm talking to you. I mean, you are being thrown stuff at and thrown stuff. If it's not the music, it's a video. If it's not a video, it's a a music video. If it's not a music video, it's a a billboard ad. If it's not a billboard ad, it's some blonde-haired girl eating a hamburger from a hamburger joint. It's like Everything is being over-sexualized, and it's coming at you mentally. The enemy wants to steal your time. Suck it right out of you. He wants to suck it out of you emotionally too much time, or too much all the time. There's too many things coming at you, and emotionally it starts to catch up with you, and you can't handle it. You know, we're in the house, and, you know, daughter or son is screaming and crying, and it's like, I can't handle that. I'm trying to do this. And the wife's over here, and she's saying the same thing. I'm trying to handle this. Can you get that? And it's just coming at us emotionally. And and then it begins, am I doing right? Am I not doing right? I'm worthless. I'm useless. I'm And we start feeling, I'm failure. What about that one? I'm, I'm just a failure. I'm not I'm not as good as the next guy down the road, so what about that, okay? And this is a especially hard on those of you that consider yourself empaths, where you, you, you kind of own the other person's thing that they're going through. Rather than being sympathetic to somebody, you be empathetic to them. And you take on more than you're supposed to. And you can tell if you're that person, if you're laying awake at night going, I got to figure out how to fix, you know, little Janie's problem there because, you know, she's got a problem. And I can't live if she's got, or I just feel so bad for her. I, we, we, we've got to get over there and fix this. And it's like, you can't. You can't fix everybody's everything. Because pretty soon you lose you, and that's what the enemy's after. You have to be willing to do the part that is yours. And I believe this about our, our emotional well-being. Somebody once wrote that Americans are afraid of being left alone with their minds. So we have noise makers cable TV, radios, CDs, telephone, I mean phones, smartphones, earbuds. We don't even want to be left alone with our thoughts when we're running around the neighborhood. Just don't leave me alone with my thoughts. I might think something, you know, and have to wrestle with it. It'd be good for us. Turn the noise off. It would be very, very good for us. The enemy wants to rob us physically. We're constantly thinking we have to be at every single event, and, and basically it shows up in FOMO. I have the biggest fear of missing out that there is, right? I have to go to everything. You don't understand. We got to go, 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 and we come back home. We're like, man, we got to stop running around. We got five kids, and they're in six events, and we can make it happen. We're that good. And you know, when they graduate high school, y'all fall over dead. It's like, well, I was doing really good till they graduated. Suddenly, you got nothing to do until they get to college, and you start all over again. But the enemy is just saying, we got to have more and bigger and more and bigger, and so we keep running harder. And then finally, theologically. Man, I have seen some rough theology and social media in 2020. Just rough. I still see something. It's like, you, you can't put that political thing with that scripture. You can't do that. No. Or you can't take that scripture that much out of context and say, God owes me. You can't do that. (laughs) See, we've got to back up. But the enemy, remember what he said to Eve? Did he really say that? See, he only wants to pervert the scripture just three degrees. Because three degrees today feels really safe. But 20 miles down the road, man, you're off by 40 miles. 20 years down the road, you don't even know where heaven is. You don't even know. And this is where you see this. Oh, man, it's all good. All sin's the same. It's all, no, it's not. God's okay because all sin's the same. No. See, Jesus died on the cross for gossips. He died on the cross. That's how serious he took it. And so we've got to be willing to, to, to get a hold of the idea that we've got to get back to a right theology. And that's found in the Scripture get into the scripture, and even then it's going to take a little bit of money. We need to take our life back from the roaring lion. We need to stop when we know we're being attacked. You know, you, when you're being attacked, I've got a friend in Zimbabwe, some of you are praying for him, please keep praying. But here's, this is how this went. He is like the guy, he's the guy in Zimbabwe that is in charge of all the fish and wildlife, okay? All the permits have to go through him, okay? And so Peter is over there and he's taken somebody out into the bush and they go out into the bush and Peter forgot his garment. That's what he forgot. He forgot his garment. He said, oh man, I forgot my garment. When he found his garment, his garment wouldn't work. And he said, oh man, my garment won't work. In a week and a half's time, it went from Peter's having a struggle in the bush because he's got his garment to he's got the, the wrong or the wrong number of bullets for what they're going to do. And it goes all in a week and a half, he's in a hospital in Harare with a 5% chance of living and nothing happened to him. No lions, tigers, and bears jumped out of the bush and bit him. No snakes bit him. No rhinos, rhinoceros just stomped on top of him. N- nothing like that. They're struggling saying, is it hepatitis? Is that what we're we're, we're after? Okay? Um, um, um uh, uh, what's the other one I keep forgetting? Is it malaria? First they were like, oh, he's got malaria. But his kidneys are shutting down, his liver's shutting down, his body's shutting down, his brain's swelling. It's like, he asked us to pray because he lost his garment. <laughs> And he felt like something was not right in camp. And, and then the next time he said, I found my Garmin, but something else is wrong and it's starting to feel like oppression. You know, sometimes I say, listen, just because you've got a flat tire doesn't mean the devil's attacking you. Okay, well, just because you've got a flat tire doesn't mean the devil's not attacking you. Just weigh it out and see how it continues to go. And I ask you to keep praying for the Garvin family, not Garmin, Garvin family, because they're still not sure. Sure and they're struggling. He's a young man, relatively young man, younger than me. And so there's a place here where we've got to say no. We've got to say no to the darkness and we've got to take our lives back and say, no, 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 we're not doing that. How's it going to happen? First, I believe you need to get the weight off. I'm watching my time. Get the weight off. What do you mean get the weight off? We don't need to be carrying around too much weight. We are a people, a Christian people, that feel like we are doing so much that there is so much weight setting on our shoulders. And I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you are doing too much, and you can do it till you break. But when you break, you can't do it anymore, and then nothing gets done. But here you are carrying this weight around, and some of that weight, let me, let me just be straight with you, some of that weight is sin. You're carrying sin around. And God is saying, I want you to deal with the sin. I want you to set it down. I I, I don't want you carrying the sin. But, but, But there's more to it than that, okay? We've got to be willing to say, you know what, I know that person hurt me and I need to talk to them, or I know I hurt that person and I need to talk to them, and we're carrying the weight of things that we know we need to do, but we keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off, and the more we put it off, we don't realize this, the more of a root it drills down in our hearts, the more of a root that it drills down in our heart, the more bitterness we act out of because we're frustrated and angry, and suddenly we're carrying all this weight we can't get things done. And God is saying, I want you to put these weights down today for you right here in this room. God wants you to put these weights down. Do not carry these weights. But the more you put off that conversation that you need to have, the more you're going to keep carrying that weight. When God says, hey, Joe, I need you to get rid of the Xbox, and I did years ago. I liked it. I had fun. I was getting good. I had imaginary friends, my wife called them. It was great. And the Lord said, I want you to get rid of this. And, and I put it off and put it off. And finally I said, okay. And I got rid of it. And whew, It was the stupidest thing. It's like, why did that feel so heavy? Because it was so much fun. It's just one little area of my life. And it's like, it wasn't sinful. It was just a weight. And so there's a place where we've got to stop and we've got to say, listen, if there's sin in our lives, we've got to have enough sense to be ashamed of it. And our, our, our Christian culture is all against being ashamed of your sin. I'm sorry. We need to get back to being ashamed of our sin. I'm ashamed of my sin. I am. I'm ashamed enough to go to God and ask his forgiveness because I'm a sinner. And I find myself sinning once in a while and I'm ashamed. And so I go see him and he takes care of it. But I've got to confront it. And I think there's things in your life that you came in here with people that you need to talk to, things that you need to do, something you need to let go of, something you need to go get. That God is saying, man, if, if you'll just listen to me and do this, you might be surprised. And the second thing is this now let's sit with God. A lot of Christian people don't want to sit with God. Let's sit with God, let's sit with God and be quiet. Let's sit with God and let the Scripture get inside of us. Let me ask you these questions while you're sitting with God because I think these are the questions that God would ask you while you're sitting with Him. Who is it that you're listening to? Who are you listening to? Are you listening to that voice that says you've got to do it all or else it's not going to get done right? You've got to keep carrying the load. Don't put that down. Don't listen to Joe. He's just being. Are you listening to that voice that's trying to kill you? That's one, right? What about that? who speaks truth into your life we live in a world that's unprecedented you could listen to so many preachers just today that it's ridiculous but honestly sometimes we listen to so many that we spend all of our times in our head trying to make this person's theology match this person's theology and this understanding of scripture match that understanding of scripture plus what your grandma said and it just it's it's taxing to you and i'm not saying you shouldn't listen to people be widely read i'm just saying sooner or later i want to know who are you listening to And it needs to be God. When you sit down with God, you need to listen to God. And that needs to be important. Trim it down. Who are you listening to as you sit with God? Number two, who are you running with? Who are you running with? Who are the people that you surround yourselves with? People that lead you toward Jesus or back to your old way of life? Huh? Somebody once said that you're going to become the six people that are closest to you that you hang out with. Are you, are you hanging out with heavy drinkers? Are you having out, hanging out with overly sexualized people? Are you more like Jesus? Are you more like mission trips? Are you more like leading people to the Lord? Or are you just surrounding yourselves with people that don't care about Jesus? And then finally, who are you reacting to? And I I, I wrestled with how to say this one. Who are you reacting to? Because if you're going to surround yourself with people, and it's going to be the six people, sooner or later you're going to start changing your life and changing your lifestyle. Because you're going to want to be like them or you're going to want to be accepted into their group. And when you start doing that, you lose the most precious gift that God created, and that is you. Because you're trying to be somebody else that you're not. I'm not saying we shouldn't change. I'm not saying we shouldn't repent. I'm just saying that when we spend so much time trying to be like somebody else so we can fit in, we lose our identity on who we are. And God created you to be you. This morning, I believe that as you walked in here, the enemy was coming at you from all different directions. I believe there are people here whose marriages are under attack. I believe that there are people here whose finances are under attack. There are people in here who are losing children who are under attack. But sometimes it's you and your soul, and you feel like, where is this Pariso life you keep talking about? Where is this thing? When do I get to experience that as we keep picking more things up and picking more things up and saying yes to more things and yes to more, even good things. Because we live in a world that says you have to do it all or you're missing out. And that's not what the Lord wants. I saw this this morning and so I snatched it. I thought it was Toby Mac, but it's not, but you still get the copyright to it. But it kind of sums things up for us right here. If the devil can't get you to sin, then he will keep you too busy to be affected at what you're called to do. You were created to walk with Jesus. You were created to walk in the resurrection of Jesus. You were created to push back the darkness, the devil. When he shows up, we don't have to get scared and say, the devil's here, now it's gonna, no, no, no. Stand up in the name of Jesus. But deal with the things that are keeping you a little bit separated from Jesus. What are those things? Because we are children of the Most High God. We have been invited to the table, to the family. And the enemy can't have us. Are you closer to God right now than you were in 2020? June of 2020. And do you find yourself more involved in your church or less involved in your church? That's a good thermometer. Do you find yourself more involved in trying to grow a church and push the kingdom forward, whether it's this one or your home church? Or do you find yourself less involved? Because anything that begins to take you away from the kingdom, the kingdom message and the kingdom work, I don't think is God. I think He wants us to bring our friends to him, not run away from him with our friends. And I would encourage you that God has a life for you that's abundant, according to Jesus. But the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy what God wants to do in your life. I wonder what he's saying to you. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to go into our closing song. But we want to pray today And these people want to pray with you during that song. Let's just pray first. Fathers, we come before you. We thank you and we praise you. That we have authority in Jesus' name. That Jesus won on the cross. That the battle does not have to go on and on. The little skirmishes, they pop up, God. But we win. And yet, sometimes we aren't experiencing that life that Jesus talked about in John 10. So I just, God, I just pray, be upon us right now. Whatever it is that we're carrying, whatever it is that we have to be a part of, the things that we know we need to sit and talk to you about, what are those things, God? Because I know that in giving them to you, your yoke is easy and your burden is light. And that's what we're after. So we just ask and pray that touch our lives today. We want it all, God. All that the kingdom of God has for us to do the work that you're asking of us. We want it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Those of you that are watching online, if I can just deviate here for a split second as we come to a place of wrapping this up. I was in a conversation with pastors and this statement got made. and I thought it was funny, but I thought it was apropos. Okay, you know. There are some of you that need to be at home watching this live stream. And I'm so thankful that you're there. Some of you are far away and you and I are reconnecting and it's great. But some of you, it was easier to roll over and turn your phone on and you're watching from your pillow. (laughs) That's not how Jesus meant he was going to build the kingdom of God. (laughs) I want to encourage you. It's kind of like a handicapped spot in front of Walmart. It's not for you. You're supposed to park over there. This is for people that need it. And so I want to encourage you in that. It's time to come back to church. It's time, if if you're watching, it's time to go find your home church. Plug in. Bring the kingdom of God. Don't let the enemy rob you of being in corporate worship and the power that's there because of the presence of God. I want to encourage you in that. If you sat here and you're wanting prayer yourself, you can go down to the bottom where it says request prayer. Just click that little button. There will be somebody there that will pray for you as well. In the meantime, Jesus loves you. We're going to come to our feet. We're going to close this song. And if there's something that you know that God has been saying to you, these people would love to pray for you. Just move on up here during this song.